That's into right field. Long run for Pilar. And Pilar all out into foul territory to make the play. Bogarts with a drive out to right field. Judges back on it, and that one's gone. Against all odds, here's a high fly ball driven deep to right. Verdugo back to the pen. Leaps up. He caught it. He caught the ball. He took it back. And I will keep on waiting for a better day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pesky Paul Podcast, episode 90. Three. How you guys doing today? We're recording this episode a little bit earlier. You guys will see this on Saturday instead of our typical Sunday, the Lord's Day, because we're actually recording this on Thursday because we had to get the big trio together. Joining me first and most importantly, he is a legend in this Pesky Pole podcast nation. That's me. No, it is not. It's me, right? Some say. <laughs> Rumors have said that where he teaches, he has some affiliations. We'll just say Zach Wilson S type relationships. Costip, can you confirm nor deny? I mean, I will say I have been. Uh, I I've been now. Basically, people have said I've looked like Zach Wilson on two different occasions. I don't see it, but <laughs> I've had I've had two different people say it now at, at this point, and I'm just I don't know how to feel. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying you you got some common behaviors I'll say you never confirmed nor denied the situation I'm waiting. Yeah, I got nothing. God damn. All right. So first, down to the wire, host Brian Costiv. Costiv, what's good? Rob, I'm having a great time. Uh, just got off work. You know, obviously the Red Sox are in a good position right now. Hopefully. Uh, you know, with some of the topics we're going to talk about today, uh, the reinforcements coming, it'll definitely be, uh, they'll definitely be in a good position going forward. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. Second, and least importantly, you've seen him here too many times, not nearly as good looking, not nearly as strong. He said he will beat Costa's ass, but frankly, one's in denial. Also, I, I got that's my not money true. You Costa. told me to beat his ass, and I, and I said, oh, I'll, all right. I kind of just didn't respond to your te to that yes. one. And I was responding to the one where you said, Hey, let's get a bingo, uh, what, bingo or jeopardy game going. Mm -hmm. And I said, hell yeah. And he goes to whooping his ass or I said, no, well, which, whichever. Cause you double texted, but mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Second guest here, Adam, right. Of the fumble whiskey podcast, Adam say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Always does that. And it pisses me off every time. But hey, you said you told me to say it. I said it. Dumbass. All right. But we have a jam-packed episode that we got to fit into a little bit of a time frame. So we're going to have to keep this episode. Typically, I like to run it at about an hour or so. We're going to keep it to about 40 minutes today. So let's hop right into it. First, standings. The first thing that we have to look at when you look at today's standings today is Thursday. Uh, is it today the 4th? What's the date? The 14th. 14th. So on July 14th, we're at about 4 p.m. Eastern time. The Red Sox are sitting in fourth place, technically tied for third with the Blue Jays. But in this segment, I really don't want to talk about the Red Sox so much. We have the rest of the episode do that. I Can we just we have to. a minute to appreciate the Baltimore Orioles? Adam, 
talk to the people. We've talked about this a little bit. The Baltimore Orioles are going to make the playoffs. I want to know, and I haven't done any research on this yet, but whenever I get the chance, I would like to, if anybody, if either of you would want to while I'm speaking. But when was the last time every team in a division fin- uh, finished with a winning record? Because that's what we have right now in this division. When was the last time everyone in a division finished with a winning record? And I believe I could be wrong. If, if it's a, let's say, let's say we have a four way tie or let's say a three way tie for the last wild card spot. We could kind of make a case that it's, that's technically every team making the playoffs because it's like a one game playoff. Mm-hmm. Kind of like 2013, where there were a couple of there were a couple of tiebreakers they had to do. There was uh, there was Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, and there was another game that also occurred where the uh, it was the it was the Rays as well. So that's kind of possible, isn't it? Where we could have every team kind of like in the playoffs. It's not really. I'm well. We can have a you know a tiebreaker game. But, yeah, that's what I like. Do, can we kind of count that as the playoffs? Like for a last place team to like kind of be like a playoff team. Like that's it's not really, but like it's like that's a, about as close as you can get to every single team in your division making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So from what I'm seeing on this, uh, the one year that I could see in 2005, the NL East had all teams above 500. And the Nationals finished right at 500. So I mean, like above 500, though. That team is uh, clo- that team's as close as you're going to get. The 91 AL West did it. Apparently, they had all five teams above 500, but those are the only two that I'm. So it's been 30 years. Yeah. Been- so is it like was what, what like what was the record of the last place team? Was it like 81 and 81? Or was so, it like 83 and 79 or something like that? So you got to remember in this, there are only the West and the East. There's no Central in the 90s, right? So you have the Minnesota Twins finishing with 95, White Sox with 87, Rangers with 85, Oakland with 84, Seattle Mariners with 83, Kansas City at 82 and 80, and the California Angels at 81 and 81. So, so one team has to – at least one team has to finish 81 and 81. At, it does, exactly they don't have to, but that's how just history is played out. Okay. That's interesting. So, we've so never, it's either it's either the, the Orioles stay hot and they wind up fi- fighting their way into the playoffs or one of these teams between Tampa, Toronto, uh, dare I say Boston, fall apart and we have ourselves a last place team. Hey, it's a possibility. Costa, what do you think about the Orioles? Is this a playoff winning team? You know, Rob, I, I don't think so. They're, in my opinion, the Orioles are a paper tiger. Uh, you know, you know, any team in baseball can get hot right now. And obviously we're seeing that with the Orioles right now. Uh, I work with someone right now who is an Orioles fan. He's thrilled with the run that they're going on. But at the same time, this type of a run does not last forever like this. And I mean, while the Orioles are young and this could be a great sign of things to come for them on a small scale, I just don't think it's going to be able to uh, be able to, you know, stay like this moving forward. I mean, you know, 10 game win streaks are, are amazing. I mean, I, what the MLB record is 22. 
So, I mean, obviously you're more than halfway away from that still at that, at this point. So let's not even talk about that kind of a run. 10 game win streaks are awesome, but you know, I just don't think that the Orioles, the way that they're built right now, they're still an incredibly young squad. I just don't think that they're built for this year. Which I can see. I mean, they're still, I mean, the best way I could have put the Orioles at the beginning of the season is they're two years away from being two years away. <laughs> they still need those prospects to get in and get up through the system and all that. Adley Rutschman's finally making his name known. He's getting out there and playing some good balls. the number one prospect in the MLB, but they're still a little bit of ways away. But you know what? I got some hope. I am rooting for this Baltimore Orioles team. Every time they are playing, I am rooting for the Orioles to win, except when they are facing the Red Sox, obviously. When they're I will facing t- anyone else, I'm rooting for the yeah. Orioles. Look, I'll tell you I- what, Rob. I'm not rooting for the Orioles here, because guess what? We yeah. Give me. Let's flash back just over a decade ago to 2011, when the Orioles... Had the, had the chance to play spoiler to the 2011 Boston Red Sox. Obviously, we had a historic collapse, which just dreaded our season and took us out of the playoffs when we had probably one of the best squads that we've ever had, and we completely fell apart. The Orioles were part of that demise, and while I blame the Red Sox a lot for it and Carl Crawford not being able to catch a line drive, I do blame the I, – I, I do look at the Orioles, too, and I say, man, what if? Nah. That, that yeah, but that was more was like, like, I mean, you kind of, you kind of alluded a little bit to it in, uh, while you were speaking, but I have, look, that was a lot more on the Red Sox. They did that to themselves, especially since the Orioles were, weren't they like the last place team in the division? Yeah. So like, there's really no one else you could blame but themselves. But at the same time, like you still, you still can't, granted, you still cannot just root for a division rival at least when they're facing you and out of the, out of all these teams, I, I guess, I'll, I guess I'll root against Baltimore the least because, you know, the Rays and the Rays and Blue Jays are the, the two teams that are really close to you in the Blue Jays are, or the, the Orioles are like all the way out there, but still, I don't know, man, it, it was, that was mostly, that was mostly on the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can't, we can't, you can't just do that and just say that from something that happened over a decade ago. And that team imploded on itself hardcore. Even if they make the playoffs that year, they're not winning anything. Let's be damn honest with ourselves. So you can't even blame the Orioles there. And uh, like, and like looking at this season uh, for the Orioles, while I do am pulling for them to like make a run, that would be kind of cool. As long as it doesn't interfere with the Red Sox in their season, like, I'm, I, th- I think when I, when I, with my opening take, when I said, when I was talking about the potential of all of these teams finishing above 500, I was looking more into what can happen rather than what will happen. Because I don't think just the Orioles, especially when they lo- won these games, like even against the, even against the Cubs, who are one of the worst teams in baseball, the pitching matchups were just unlikely. All of those starting pitchers, I was looking at it on the, on the ESPN app all of the Orioles pitchers had an ERA of like six or seven and they were just winning these games. So this feels like there's a team that's just really hot. It happens to every team, believe it or not, even the bad ones. And eventually they're going to cool down. Which I can see, but we do have to get moving. The rest of the AL East innings are kind of the same. 
as they've been for a while. Just the Red Sox have slipped down to fourth place at this moment. Like I said, still tied with the Rays. It's, it's going to be a dogfight all year for the two, three, and four. Yankees basically have the one, uh, the first seed, but the two, three, and four, maybe even the five are going to be up for grabs the entire rest of the season. And honestly, like I said, I'm rooting for the Orioles. One we game tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. We got to move on, though. So, from what I've seen, we have three players in the All Star game this year between Xander, Rafi, and JD. There's none I'm forgetting, right? Nope, that's it. Yeah, those seem to be our three. All right. Could put in shot. Could could have put in Schreiber, but yeah. I mean, this time, this time I'll start with Costive. You kind of stole my thunder there a little bit, Adam. Thank you for that. But Costive, is there anybody else in this Red Sox team that you can argue? Could be an all-star contention. You know, for the most part, this team has been riddled with injuries, and we've more or less been seeing the Worcester Red Sox play as a result of that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we've been seeing a lot of that. And, you know, frankly, you know, I I wish that I could say that Kyle Schwarber was still one of our all-stars and that we had paid him instead of having Franchi Cordero as our first baseman or Bobby Dahlbeck and – you know, I wish we could say that he was still one of our guys helping us yep. out there, but thanks. Obviously, obviously that ain't the case. Uh, but you know, I think that you could have made a case maybe for maybe for Alex Verdugo. He was he was hot at a little bit of time. I mean, he was you know he was probably the best bat in the Red Sox lineup. I'd say you know back in there back during the series during Chicago, he was the best bat in that lineup. So uh, you could have made a bid for him. Uh, you know, he you could have said that he was getting hot at the right time, but. Uh, you know, all in all, I think that it's a that the All Stars we're getting sent out to LA is a pretty fair reflection of the team that uh that we have this year. Yeah, I have no, I have no problems with what you just said, but Adam and I have one person who we believe should have been an All Star. Adam, say it. You can so you can you can describe that one. That can be your pick, but I think I'll go a different direction. Thanks for the text, by the way. Uh, <laughs> the middle finger emoji was nice. Um, yeah. But the guy I'm going to pick, actually, I'm going to go in a different direction. And I know Brian and Brian, as Brian said, you know, this, this team has been riddled with injuries close to the all-star break, which has pissed me off because before this, before this, this little flurry of injuries, they got red hot, this Red Sox team. And it feels like a lot of these went a lot of, uh, a lot of the reason that they've cooled down a lot is because of these injuries. And one of the guys who I'm going to pick probably could have been an all-star very, very easily if he hadn't been injured. But Michael Waka had a great start to the season. He cooled off a little bit, but he was still an all-star caliber player where you can make half a case that he actually made. He actually would have made it. But he's good. also a player who was looked at as very underrated too and was, hasn't, deserved, hasn't gotten much of the praise that he's really deserved. Mm-hmm. Which, which I can see, like, Michael Walker, especially during the first part of the year, has been going nuts. So I'm not in uh, – what's his recent numbers looking like? Hold on. Yeah, uh, I was actually going to look at that myself. A two, but... st- still rocking a two six nine ERA with 70 innings pitched, 6-1 and one record. And that's only because he had a couple of shaky, a couple of shaky, like kind of shaky outings. Before that, he had an ERA in the, in the ones. Yeah. He was looking awesome. He's been doing great. You know, no complaints from me. Dude's been really putting it. All right. 
By the way, can we just say uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. should be in the All-Star game as a pitcher? You know, one appearance, one inning pitched, nine ERA. He can't even make the bench as a, the position that he plays now. Four yeah, no, I mean, whip. Rob, I get that he's your favorite player, but I mean. He can do it all. You got to let it go. <laughs> Have him hit for yeah. average, then you could be like, oh. Like, Rob, oh, he's a 30-year-old center fielder who can't hit. Let it go. Like if his name, like I'll, I'll say this much. If his name wasn't Jackie Bradley jr. He would be considered a four, a player. Yeah. Because everybody, there's so many, there's only, there's so many Jackie Bradley hippies out there who are like, this guy's awesome. He has so much offensive potential when he's 30 years old and he can't even hit for average. He has that one month where all the hippies go, Oh, see, see, he can hit, he can hit for average. You see, you see. Then he goes stone cold. They're like, well, he, then they, they go quiet and then he'll have that clutch hit in the postseason. It's just, I, I'm, I've done, I'm done fighting it. I'm done. Yeah, I mean, you, you might be right a little bit there. I'm not going to lie, but I don't care. I still don't care. He's still well, going to have that one month. He's batting 209 right now, but you know, 260 I'll on tell base you, percentage. I once had, uh, I was, I once had a debate or it turned into an argument over the internet because this kid just blew it out of proportion. He, I sold, I told him about his batting average and he said, uh, says the one who thinks he's a baseball guru. And I thought to myself, and I should have said this, but I was like, if you think base, if you think batting average is a baseball guru stat, then no wonder why you think Jackie Bradley jr. Is the superstar player. No wonder it's batting average. That's the most basic stat there is. Mm-hmm. There's people who aren't baseball fans who know what batting average is. But that's why people will go at that, Adam. It's because people think that batting average is outdated and they'll go with WRC plus. They'll look at a bunch of other advanced metrics to determine his true value. That's what he, that's what that guy was basically trying to say to you. Where in reality, I think that the batting average should make a difference because if his, your batting average is as putrid as Jackie Bradley's has been, then you have to take notice of that. Obviously, Jackie Bradley is a stellar defensive outfielder. You can't take that away from yeah. him. He's always been that. But the man, it seems like it's like, I mean, if you guys have seen Space Jam where the superstars get their powers taken away and then, you know, they kind of just become ordinary guys and, you know, Charles Barkley can't sink a free throw. It's kind of like well, Jackie Bradley. Charles Barkley. Yeah, but it's, but you know, it's like they, like, I don't know. I, it was like Muggsy Bogues can't even like make a layup or something. And yeah, but, and, 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 and it's, and it's like, like, man, if Jackie Bradley never got his powers taken away, he'd be like a really productive outfielder. But it seems like the Monstars still have whatever uh, power he has. And he's just, and he gets it back for a month. He gets it back for a month. But then they restart the Space Jam movie and he uh, loses his powers again. Touche. Yeah, uh, but like this kid was saying that. Base that I'm a that I think I'm a baseball guru because I name apparently that ba- uh, batting average is some complex statistic. It's not like he's saying like, well, you need to look at it more deep in a more deeper sense, you know. But it's it's again, it's some some troll on the internet. So we'll uh, I digress. You know, but. Adam Adam was fighting with somebody in the comments of my viral video that went out, and I'm just sitting there watching through the comments. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But that anyway, was taking it so seriously too. I know there's so many hate comments on that video. I've lost count, but we all know who I'm going to pick our Lord and savior, John Freeber, my man has it, it, been borderline perfect. 
throughout the year in the limited attempts that he's gotten. 30 innings pitched, a point six. Let me say that again for the people in the back. 0.6 ERA. He only allowed any run in one outing this, this so far this season. It was one game. In, it was I believe it was May 27th. He allowed two runs in – it was two earned runs in one inning. And since then, he hasn't allowed a run since. And before those two runs, he hadn't allowed a run at all. Mm-hmm. So – that just he's been completely dominant and borderline perfect. And I am waiting for that one game. It's bound to happen where, where he lets gonna, up and he's shelled. Yeah. And, and maybe shelled, but I mean, the, the definition of shelled for a starting pitcher is so different than a relief pitcher. If you oh, allow sure. one run, then that's shelled. Yeah. Because you're, you're, you're supposed to be borderline perfect. That's why, like, it's so different with relief pitchers. The what my rule of thumb for relief pitchers is that if you have an ERA in the twos, that's pretty good. In the ones is great. And then if you're in the point like under one, then that's like sensational. Yep. If you have an ERA in the threes, you're a loser. Mm-hmm. But if you are in, in, if you have an ERA in the threes as a starting pitcher, then you have a, then sometimes you can make the Cy Young. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing though, with, with my guy, John Shreep, he is third uh, yeah, you can add him third in the team in strikeouts per nine innings, only trailing Jake Diekman and Kyle Crawford. Strikeout to walk ratio is at a six one seven, the highest on the team, besides injured Nathan Eovaldi. Well, I mean, you could put, yeah, he still pitched almost seventy innings. So yeah, he's second on the team behind Nathan Eovaldi. This dude has just kept the walks down, is just pitching to contact, and is killing it. Can I also bring up one more thing that that really hasn't been talked about much throughout much uh, amongst amongst Red Sox fans? Yeah, quickly. Is that this kid has also been incredibly under underutilized because he's only been used in the seventh, yeah, in sometimes sixth innings. Mm-hmm. He's never been used in the eighth inning, I believe. I could be wrong, and I sure he sure as hell hasn't been used as a closer. He could be used as either of those. I want him as a setup man. For Tanner Houck. I think I've said that to you on the phone a couple of times. Yeah. I think I, I didn't like Tanner Houck at first, but not only is he so his ERA is only high because he started a few games early on and early on in the season. And we I've already established the difference between starting pitching and relief pitching. If you you know, I'll, I'm not going to go back into it, but like Tanner Houck has actually been pretty dominant this year. And not only that, but you can stretch him to multiple innings, which is rare for relief pitchers to find a pitcher who can go not only a couple innings in relief, but be really good at it and be shut down. I don't think we've seen that since Andrew Miller. And this is, and this is a guy where if you, if you really started to use him as a weapon and put in uh, John Schreiber right behind him, because he, he, he hasn't proven that he can go more than one inning then you have a pretty good bullpen. It's not that deep, which is another thing that we should uh, we should get into when we hit on the trade deadline. But I really like Tanner Houck. I like John Schreiber. That is all. Which I'm there with you. All right, we got to talk about, for the first time this year, finally had sale day. All right. Now, it was a very, very good. And Brazier ruined it. 
we don't we don't talk about Brazier and Strom. We're gonna we're gonna focus on the pop. This is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have nice things because of Ryan Brazier. Anyway, five innings pitched, three hits, one walk, five strikeouts, zero runs. So so far, obviously through one start, he has a zero ERA. Still kicking ass. Realistically, what can we spe- what can we expect from Chris Sale for the rest of the year? Around what sort of ERA? You know, how many starts is he going to get re-injured? Are we going to push him to maybe go seven innings in a game? Are we going to keep him to this five-inning constraint? Adam, what do you think? Um, so uh, looking at it, I think this was a good outing for him. It looks like this was something that where they just wanted him to get, uh, get back on his feet. But, like, I think that's going – I think he's going to get knocked up just a little bit to start because like I said, he's just getting going and I don't really count last year because he was just coming back from the, uh, the, the Tommy John and now with the ribs. So he's going to be a little bit rusty, but as he, as he progresses through the season, I think he's going to find his old form and it won't like his dominance will not show through the statistics because he'll be fighting back from a tough start. But I think he's actually he's going to help them, and if they make a postseason run, he's going to be right in the middle of it. Which I can see. I mean, he's our best player, not necessarily our best player, but he's our ace. You know, hundred percent Chris Sale, even seventy five percent Chris Sale. I'm still having that guy as our ace. Costa, what do you think? So I think that it's going to probably be a. uh, I think that we're going to see the Chris Sale, not exactly old, but I think we're going to see a much better product than we saw in 2021. And it's simply just based on the fact that this isn't an arm injury is coming back from this time when we had the whole, like the whole spectacle of sale coming back from his rehab uh, last year, it was because he was, it was because he was Adam, as Adam was saying, coming back from Tommy John surgery. And, you know, the idea was, all right, what's Chris sales stamina going to be like, how far into innings can he go? And that is an issue here. You do have to wonder what can he do with, what can he do? But it's not going to be because of his arm health. It's going to be a matter of his ribs now, which I think if if he's let them if he's let them you know heal up correctly and he's in good shape, I think he's going to be able to be able to go out there and throw those seven in, innings that Adams you know hoping they can do. And I think he's going to be able to do it hopefully pretty consistently if he's able to get back. Usually in the second year after Tommy John surgery, you see that guy return to form. That's typically what you see. It's the first year you're really kind kind of just a shell of yourself if you can muster out you know something it's kind of a plus but usually in that second year you start to you know get back into your old routine and you start to feel like yourself again so i feel pretty confident about sale going forward i hope that you know even if he's at you know not 80 percent health wise but just 80 percent of the guy that he was i think we're in pretty good shape which i mean i'm i'm so hoping that he's able to come back barring you know Lord help us if he has another injury. Yeah. I, and I, and Rob, I think that it's something that I saw, which was pretty interesting. My brother pointed this out to me and it was that uh, Red Sox stats tweeted out and they tweeted that uh, Chris sales arm movement and, you know, some of that and some of his stats regarding that were very similar to his arm movement and stats uh, back in 2018. So they said that, you know, he was looking like his 2018 self, which was not something that you could say last year. So that is something to look forward to as well. Mm-hmm. All right, we got to spend our last 10 minutes. Well, first, before we get into that, let's talk real quick. This month of June, has it not been 
very July? kind to us per se. July, you mean? At July, you know what I meant. Right, because we finished four, five, six, three, and six. We have almost 10 losses on the year with a game tonight yep. against Tampa. Two, let me just make sure one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine losses this year. I'm playing 14 games or 13 games. It's not really a recipe for success. And I've said from the jump, from like the second week of June, the month of July is going to be either put up or shut up. And right now it's shut up because we're kind of getting thrown around by two teams that we should at least be competing with. You know what I mean? We split the series against the Yankees, yes. But in some case, you could say we barely split it with them because in those last two games, A, the one on the ninth was a walk-off 6-5. Good game. The one on versus the Yankees on the 10th, we were down 6-1 to six to one from the start, and then we just got hot with the bats. But then we've lost three straight to the Rays. You know, the Rays have always been a scrappy team, never really the ones with the most firepower in their offense or firepower in the pitching staff. But they'll take just the random people, and they'll go in, and they'll give you a 2.2 ERA. So with the rest of the month, we have – the one game tonight, two against the Yankees, three against the Blue Jays, four against the Guardians, three against the Brewers. Adam, where do you see a real weak point in that schedule for us? Like, where do you think we're going to struggle most? In that schedule? Uh, let me put that up, pull that up right now. So the rest of July, okay. So I know, I know you just went over it, but I like getting a visual myself. Yeah. Um, really, the only weak point I see is Cleveland. Cleveland is a team that they had a they had a nice start to the season, but they've so, they've started to fall apart a little bit, and it looks like a team that could wind up being a seller uh, seller dwelling team. That's the only weak point. Everybody else is pretty solid. I know Toronto just fired their manager, and they're having some issues midway through the season, just like us. But like I said, just like us. But like I I also want to put I also want to point out the reasoning to their struggles, which is the injuries. As Brian alluded to earlier on in this early in this show, it's been practically just the Woo Sox for their at least for their starting pitching. It's been practically that. I mean, they like really four of their five opening opening day starters are all gone, and some of them are working their way back. But Whitlock isn't coming back to the rotation. They're putting him in the bullpen, which I've said I, I personally disagree with. Um, I, but that's, that's neither here nor there. That's not what we're talking about. Either way, the rotation has kind of suffered. There's only so much you can do with Seabold and Cutter Crawford. I'm just saying. Don't get me started and on Seabold. I, I really had high hopes for Brian. Is, is it Brian Bayo? Yes. Bayo, yes. Brian Bayo. Like, he hasn't been very good. And he, he might figure it out later on. But I'd rather not be figuring it out now when we're trying to fight for fight for a spot uh, higher up in the wild card race, because let's let's face it, divisions divisions lost. But yeah, wild wild card could they host a wild card game? That's that's where we're at. So, that's the reason for their struggles is the injury bug. It's killed them. It's bit them in the ass. Which I can I can one hundred percent agree on, and especially with what you said about Brian Bale. I mean, with somebody like him who is a top prospect, you need to ease him in. You can't say, hey, we're fighting for a playoff spot. We need you to hold down the number five spot in the rotation. Way yeah. too much pressure to put on a 23-year-old kid 
who's just making his MLB debut. So I completely get Brian, your thoughts. All right. So, uh, you know, I got I kind of have a prediction for you guys moving forward into the season. And, you know, I, I know, Rob, you were saying that, that July is the month to put up or shut up. And I agree with you. However, I want to look beyond the all-star break. And I say this because, you know, we're having it. We're in a very interesting situation because Chris Taylor's coming back. Hopefully Nathan Eovaldi will, will be back up very soon as well. And then hopefully maybe even James Paxton decides to show up here and there. Maybe we get to see that. And hopefully if everyone gets healthy at the right time, as we head into the dog days of August, into the dog days of the summer, which is where, you know, typically, you know, a lot of teams slow down, you know, these winnings clubs, they're just trying to, you know, put piece together a couple wins. And it's kind of difficult because that's when the injury bug kept catches up to them. Hopefully this is finally when we get to see us at our healthiest and we get to attack and we get to attack these teams when they're at their low point. Because that's that's like basically that. that's the only situation in which I see that the Red Sox can really have some success here. Obviously, we need to finish July on a better note than how we started. But if we're able to get these teams while they're kind of in that lull, that is, you know, the those just long dragging days, then we have a shot. And that's, I think, the best way that we're going to see it. I was looking into August. We're facing the Kansas City Royals in a series and we're facing the Pittsburgh Pirates in a series. I got you got to sweep those two. So I think if you get those two, that's six wins in that month as well. Uh, you're gonna have to battle against the Astros, I know, at that point, too. But I think that with that full squad back, you're getting the reinforcements that you need. You can go out there and you can make and you can make a real difference. Dude, I'm really hoping. And I haven't really looked that much into the August yet, but you're kind of right. I mean, we have Astros, Royals, Braves, Yankees, Pirates, Orioles. Blue Jays, Rays, Twins. And the thing, too, is, I mean, you look at the Baltimore Orioles. Obviously, they're red hot right now. They're still technically the, the last place team in the division. Yeah. In the theory that they do cool off and they go back to being that Orioles of, the Orioles of old, which, frankly, could happen. I'm, I'm not going to say that it's impossible that they go in, they make a run at the playoffs, but... To be frank, they are young. They are, you know, still susceptible to, you know, falling apart and things like that. If I was going to predict that they were going to fall apart, then that's another series that I think the Red Sox could go in and beat up on them too. So I think that August could be a great month for us where, you know, you're going to have Chris Sale back potentially at full strength. You're going to have Nathan Avaldi back. Michael Walk is going to be going out on all cylinders. If James Paxton can, again, show up on the field and then do that's anything. something great. Yeah, just to do anything, that's something great too. And, you know, I've been I've been down at Polar Park. I've been seeing Garrett Whitlock get some time. Josh Taylor's been getting back in the action. Uh, Kike Hernandez, I know, is, uh, you know, starting to make some rehab starts. I think that he is still going to need some more time. I think he re-aggravated himself a little bit. So he's still going to be a little boys away. But, you know, maybe you're looking into even dealing someone like him at the deadline with the way Duran's been playing. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of potential things that you can do there. So I think that the Red Sox... I think that the best is yet to come for them. I think that they have a lot of potential uh, lined up and they just have to maximize it. And if you're high in bloom, when you look ahead to this trade deadline, they're going to need some sort of reinforcement. I It's got to be in the bullpen though. Cause I mean, listen, I think that Taylor and Whitlock, they will be great additions when they're finally back, but the starting rotation is kind of coming together right now. And it's kind of slow, but I think that they can come together. And, you know, while there are some concerns about Brian Bayo. You know, I've I, again, I've seen him down in AAA Worcester. He's looked phenomenal. I mean, and I've sat in on meetings. They have 
lauded this guy and talked about him like you wouldn't believe. They've said, all right, we got a two-week homestand. Brian Bayo's making three of those starts. We need to sell out and maximize those opportunities. So they believe in this kid. They think he can really be a, be a big piece. And whether he comes through and is just like a dynamite guy out of the pen for this year and maybe can become something next year, or who knows, he turns into you know a young gun who is maybe your four or five starter. Which I'm hoping to. All right, we got to we gotta zoom through this last bit. Trade deadline. There's two options that we can go. One I know is going to be much more favorable to us than the other. So I'm going to go with the first one. The first one is buying. There are two main guys that the Red Sox are really like aggressively pushing for right now. First one, Daniel Bard. Old 2013 reunion, bring my man back in. Have him not necessarily even be the closer, but either be a closer or a setup man. Kostiv is bringing out, <laughs> of course. A Daniel Bard, Paw Sox bobblehead, baby. Oh, of course, you can always count on Kostiv to. Oh, yeah. Where did you get come. that? I went to McCoy Stadium when I was a kid. I got this. Yeah, he came. Wow. I got this when I was a kid. So you can break that back out. Yeah. All right. The second guy is somebody who has been really rumored all-star. What's that? It's confusing for me to say. All-star outfielder, Andrew Benintendi. Bring him back for That's right. That's right. Adam, I'll start with you. Don't tell me this kid has a has a bobblehead for him too. Oh, I thought he was. Uh, I thought no. he was do, reaching do you have a for Benny that. Bobblehead? Ben Tendy. I do not have a Benny uh, a Benny bobblehead now. Damn it! All right. Anyway, Adam, what what would you give up for either one or both of those guys, and who would you rather go after quickly? For Bard, I would give up the minimal I could possibly uh, possibly give up. I know they really need relief pitching, but when it's when that kid is 37 years old and he's having his first relevant year since i don't know let's say 12 years ago then i say i say we give up as little as we we possibly can give up a little bit but like it's daniel bard and he hasn't pitched he hasn't like before 2020 he hadn't pitched since 2013 and he's having his first actual year where he's relevant and he's only half we're only about halfway through the season so there's still room i don't want to be a pessimist but there's still room for him to go back to come back down to earth as a 37 year old should and i'm just a little worried about that as for andrew benintendi i would i like their lineup do they need more depth i guess sure I guess Benintendi would be more of a want than a need because they have, they are, their offense has actually been a bright spot, especially even now where they've been struggling. And as much as I love Andrew Benintendi, he, he feels like more than more of a want than a need. And I, I might rather go after some, some relief pitching rather, whether that be Andrew, uh, uh, Dan, Daniel Bard or somebody else who's on the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm in a similar situation where I think if we were if you were to swap our record with the Yankees and, and you could tell us that we could go get Andrew Benintendi at the deadline, I'd say go for it because you know what, you know, when you're in a situation like that and you're trying to make a postseason run, it's all hands on deck. And if you can go bolster your offense, you do it. And I would say go get some pitching help as well. But for the Red Sox right now, I mean, you know, like I said, Kike Hernandez, you know, is working his way back. 
And I don't know how you guys plan to, you know, factor him back in the lineup. I think that you may want to explore trading him based on, uh, based on where you're at right now and just the production of Jaron Duran. So, uh, you know, I, it's something to definitely look at. I just don't know what they do in this situation, uh, just based on where they are right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to add one, one other part and is that they have a lot of tradable pieces here that have come up through the system who have, who are players who have been productive and they could be functional big leaguers in the future, but they're definitely outplaying out, outdoing themselves. The Rob Ref Schneiders of the world, the Jaron Durans of the world, the Cutter Crawfords of the world. Are those all pieces where we could see them being superstar players or even just, 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 you know, star, very good players. I don't see it very unlikely. I might, yeah. you might want to trade some of those pieces. Here's the thing, Adam. And, you know, while you could make a case that right now you could say, oh, Rob Refsner is having a good, is having a good run right now. We could trade him. I don't think other teams see Rob Refsner and see him as an asset that, you know, we can get. I think if the Red Sox, you know, were able to trade Rob Refsner for someone of even somewhat decent value, they'd be considering, you know, an absolute steal. And it's just because, you know, these guys are just typical role player guys that can, you know, get hot, have themselves, you know, a little bit of a run and then, you know, go back to just being, you know, a milk toast, you know, product again, like nothing happens with them after this. And that's what I see from Rob Ref Snyder. I mean, he's been doing great for us. I'm going to root for him when he's at the plate, but I just don't think that that's something an MLB team is looking to covet right now. Which I can see yeah. also, but we got to get into the second part, which I'm yeah. sure none of us are even thinking could happen. But now with the recent losing streak, it's a possibility of somewhat selling. No. And three guys that are on the market, well, not really on the market, but guys that can be traded, J.D. Martinez, Christian Vasquez, Nathan Eovaldi. And from what a lot of sources are saying, it's possible that one out of those three will be a part of a different team on August 3rd. J.D. Martinez was asked about this, and he said, there's a potential for the stretch of bad baseball to linger and impact Bloom's deadline thinking. And if that's the case then none of the free looming free agents are safe. Obviously you think about it as a player, me, Bogarts, no. Christian, Nate, some guys can keep going guys that are impact players at the same time, puts these guys in a tough spot. They go and get nothing back for them. I think either way, it's a win-win for us. That's how I view it. Xander is a little different because he's blah, 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 blah. For me, this is the fourth team I've been on. And if I get traded, that means you're going to be on a contending team. If you don't get traded, that means you're, go- you're on a contending team. It's a win-win. So JD has come out and said, yeah, if I get traded, it means I might get traded to a contender. So obviously he's not going to get traded to like the fucking athletics. He's not going to be thrown to a losing team. He's going to get traded to, you know, either, well, not the Yankees, but probably the Dodgers who have traded forever with Astros, somebody like that who's contending and can use a good DH to hop in. But with him saying that, what do you think our options are on selling? Do we really think it's a possibility? And if not, you know, are we just going to keep bolstering? Do we have room for everybody? Constance. So if, again, if I had said that, you know, the guy who I wouldn't mind still having at first base, Kyle Schwarber is here again, don't like the fact that he couldn't play the position that well. But if he was still on the team, 
I'd be more than fine with 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 getting rid of James with getting rid of JD Martinez. He's getting older now. Obviously, he opted into that last year of his five year deal that he signed, you know, way back when. And you know, while it would really suck to see him go, I could end up saying I could, you know, deal with it in a sense and say, you know what, he did what he you know was brought here to do. He helped us win a World Series. Thank you, JD, for everything you've done. Now we got a guy that can slide into that DH spot just fine. If we're gonna do it, there has to be some logical reason behind it. And I think that Marcelo Mayer in the minors is too far out now to gauge what he can bring to this infield. I think that you can make a case that maybe he could play third base and, you know, in the long term down the road, Rafi Devers can slide into the DH slot. But that's, I mean, as of right now, Marcelo Mayer's arrival time, uh, according to MLB.com, is 2024. That's still yeah. two seasons away. So if we're planning for this 19-year-old kid to come in here and completely shock the world, I think that we have the wrong approach right now. Obviously, there is a potential log jam of infielders coming along the pipeline with Cassis coming up to play first base. Uh, you got Mayer, who's, I think, down still in single A, but he'll, he might make his way to Portland by the end of this year. You got Jeter Downs, who's coming up now, and you know looks like he might be finding a groove. So you're, there is a potential log jam of, of uh, players. And the idea maybe to get rid of JD now and get some back, you know, some potential prospect value. I don't hate the idea of it. If we are in a, if we are in a bad position, I don't hate the idea of getting rid of, of getting rid of him and, you know, potentially getting something rather than nothing. Which I can very much see. Adam. So to be honest, I haven't really even thought about the idea of selling at all. Uh, maybe a little bit toward at the beginning of the year. Um, but if I, if I, the only one, like out of the, out of the names that you mentioned that could potentially be uh, traded and sold, I think one that comes to mind for like right now is Nathan Eovaldi. He's a guy who's, he's been pitching very, very well. And yes, he's been injured, but that has shown in the past with trade deadlines to not hurt your value too much because they saw what you did right before you got hurt and, and he can come back and he'll, and he'll be fine. However, like just looking at the other names, like JD Martinez, Christian Vasquez, it would make sense to trade those names. If there was, if there were a guy right behind him who could take his place, but like there's really, there really isn't much out there right now. That could, who could really take over for J.D. Martinez, for Christian Vasquez, for Nathan Eovaldi, we have, a, we have a pretty good, we have, when it's healthy, we have a very, very deep uh, starting rotation. So if they're going to trade somebody and get something for them, like something for, to build for the future, they may not lose much getting Nathan Eovaldi. Very good pitcher, but he has a history of getting hurt. Yep, yep. somebody's just Zoom. flying down the road. So yeah, yep. he has a history. So Nathan Evaldi has a history of getting hurt and he has pitched in big games, but like they also, they have a very deep rotation and I'm pretty happy with what they have, even without me, uh, Evaldi. Which I mean, I don't want to see Evaldi traded. If anybody, in my opinion, I'm saying Kike, like Costa was saying before, Kike still coming back from injury with, with just some of the young guys that we've had come up, I don't really see a spot for him. And if there is some world where you can do a um, Kike Hernandez and a prospect, it'd have to be a high-touted prospect. But if you can do those two for an Andrew Benintendi, I might be on board for that. 
And like you said, for um, for Daniel Bard, Daniel Bard's 37. He's not going to cost us much at all. It's going to be some random double-A player. And watch this when I say that. It's going to be somebody that I've interviewed and be pissed about it. That we traded, like, I, as much as I'd hate to say it, like, we traded. Let's, like trade our, let's trade our number nine prospect, Winkleman Gonzalez. Let's trade him. <laughs> Is that actually somebody? Yeah. What? Okay, I'll, I'll look him up after. We got a we got a couple cameras. You got to go to the uh, you got to go to MLB the MLB.com app. It has everything. It has prospect rankings. It has all the standings and everything. Um, no, but, but like, I'm like just... one one more thing. If you're if you're trading those players for Andrew Benintendi, that's more like se- that's not selling. That's buying, isn't it? That's buying. Yeah, but still, right. Kike is some guy I see who doesn't really fit with like the mold that we're having right now. Yeah. So again, that's not really selling. That's yeah. more like just uh, an asset to to get to get better at the spot. Uh, Benintendi has speed. Benintendi can hit. He's a perfect leadoff hitter. Yeah, I like him. All right, I've always liked Benintendi. You know me. Yeah, I, I have my takes that we've talked about numerous times. But Mr. Costa, please plug yourself for the Pesky Pole Nation. All right, you guys. If you don't, if you haven't followed me to this point, you can follow. Uh, you know, down to the wire. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. You can also watch the uh, video stream of our podcast on YouTube, and you can find all those links in our Instagram bio at down dot to the wire. Again, at down dot to the wire on Instagram. Rob, I appreciate it. Hey, it's always fun to have you on. And if you're out there in the Pesky Pole Podcast Nation and you're not following Brian, what are you doing? Just just look at that face, face of a model right there. All right, we already talked about what so this face man of Zach gets. Wilson is what he is. Yeah, straight up dog. All right, Adam, not as good looking. Plug yourself. All right. Well, you guys can find us on all streaming platforms. That includes Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and so much more. And if there's that one streaming streaming service that just nobody knows about. Chances are we're there too. And I mean it. I've gotten I've gotten us on a lot of different spots. But um, we also have on our Thursday shows, we have guests. Um, and it could be anyone. If you want to be on a, a guest on our show, let us know and we'll have you on. And you get your own personalized segment where you can talk about wherever whatever you want. You want to talk about anything, something that's not football, football related, go ahead and do it. Go ahead. And you get to be a co-host for a day, for the day on top of that. So this is the type of show where you get to feel like you are part of the show and we will give you all the tools to make you a co-host of the Fumble Rooski podcast for the day. But other than that, we talk a lot of like just about all things football and we are looking to tap into the fantasy football world going into uh, next year. So that's going to be a fun thing to do. We'll talk about sleepers, start them, pick, uh, start them, sit them all that types of stuff. We're going to start some fantasy football leagues. It's going to be great, but go check us out. We are on the up and up. Which is awesome. First, before I end the episode real quick, I just want to say I'm looking at my analytics right now, and it says that the most, the place where I get the most downloads is in East Greenwich, which I believe is in New Jersey. East Greenwich. East Greenwich. Greenwich. Is that in New Jersey? Want to see my analytics? Oh, we'll talk about the app because I do got to end. But no, that's no, that's in Rhode Island. My bad. I have a place. I knew, in, I knew that was in Rhode Island. Yeah. Can I? Can I? 
that much. I have a place in Ireland that's uh, that's up there in my rankings. Freaking well, Ireland. Well, if it's if it's Dublin, on the RSS, three hundred seventy four downloads. If it's from the RSS, is it like a big city? It could be. It's probably a bot then. That's just how the RSS works. But like for me, what am I? Um, the other one is just Massachusetts as a whole, obviously. And then my third is Columbus, Ohio. Lord knows why. Interesting. But anyway, we got to call it a day. Thank you guys so much for listening. God bless each and every one of you out there who are listening. Like I said, if anything's happened in the past two days, because we're uploading this on Saturday, we did record this on Thursday. So if you missed any big trades or any big things happening, we'll talk about it next week. Let's roll that out to music. See you guys next time. Yeah, yeah, I've been running and running to keep it a hundred. It's all that I wanted, but lately I don't get the stomach. The higher the summit, the harder the plummet. They know me all over this planet. I'm just a man and I can't understand it. Proud that I win and I did it myself. Probably wouldn't if I got the help. Hearing subliminals all on myself. Feel like I'm breaking, I'm falling to hell. Told me I'm sick and I tell her, oh well. Rather be dead than to know that I failed. Live for the chase, life is a race. I'm out of space, I'ma get on my face. I got a taste, well, the whole place. Place like first off, you don't run nothing. All talking, your team bluffing. My squad, we all dream crushing. We ain't rushing, no discussion. All I know is us made for this, paid for this, yeah, slave for this. Getting down and I'ma get it right. Get on sight like. Getting down and I'ma get it right. Get on sight like. And I'ma get it right, get on sight like Never really know when you're gonna go Why you gotta put her on the foot in front of yours Bearing them toes, carry them clothes I was never one to care about my man toes I was like froze, now I'm on floor Give me that smoke but I can't get high We do the most, here to inspire You don't want to sports but I can't get tired Run for your life every night in the dark, blind by the light. I got the spark, I got the pipes. All of my arts coming to life. Had to face my fears while I chased my peers, and I found my spot. About time that I found myself. I've been out here walking that walk. Like, first off, you don't run nothing. All talking, your team bluffing. My squad, we all dream crushing. We ain't rushing, no discussion. All I know is I was made for this. Paid for this, yeah, slave for this. Been down, and I'ma get it right. Dead on sight, like. First off, you don't run nothing. All talking, your team bluffing. My squad, we all dream crushing. We ain't rushing, no discussion. All I know is I was made for this. Paid for this, yeah, slave for this. Been down, and I'ma get it right. Dead on sight, like. And I'm gonna get it right, get on sight like Been down and I'm gonna get it right, get on sight like